um, what you bring to uh, whatever business venture you're trying and the professionalism and recognizing where your uh, weak spots are going to be um, and being open and willing to own those weak spots um, and figure out ways to work around them. I, I really do think that you are going to succeed as long as you are able to take the time until you get whatever the big break is. Hey, this is Matt Helton with One Trust Home Loans, and you found the Serving Senior Podcast. This is the podcast where we highlight those individuals, businesses, and professionals that are helping seniors not just get by, not just survive, but actually thrive in retirement. And we have an awesome, awesome individual today to give you a little story, a little background. Today, we have Miss Emily Guy Burkham, and she's an author. Um, she is a podcaster, and she's most well-known for her book called The Five Years Before You Retire. She's going to give us some insight on what she does, why she does it, and how she helps people prepare for those golden years. So, Emily, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you. Hey, thank you so much for uh, for being here, especially so close to the holidays. We appreciate your time. Yeah, of course. So we were just laughing and giggling before we got on here and hit record. So I said, hey, let's stop. This is getting good. We need to record this. So we got to regain the energy we had before we hit record. And um, <laughs> if, if you could share with us, always people like to kind of know who's talking and where you're mm -hmm. from and your background. So maybe tell us a little bit about your story, you know, how mm -hmm. you got into what you're doing, what you did before and bring us up to speed. Sure. Uh, so I like to tell people that I tripped and fell backwards into writing about money. Um, okay, it was got it. Never part of the plan. Uh, I'm from Baltimore originally, um, okay. but uh, I've spent my entire adult life in the Midwest. You're uh, first, you're not a Ravens fan, are you? Uh, I what? actually moved right before they got to. Uh, okay, to good. We'll 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 let you stay on the podcast, <laughs> and we have problems with Ravens here in Nashville. Uh, uh, understood. Uh -huh. um, so. Um, I uh, met my husband in Columbus, Ohio, and at the time I, I was getting a master's degree uh, for English education. I taught high school English for several years, uh, and then a couple things happened at once. Uh, my husband got a new job offer in Lafayette, Indiana. Um, and uh, we were expecting our first child okay. who, because we're just really great at timing was due at the beginning of the next school year. Oh, wow. So um, the original plan was that I was going to take a year off uh, from teaching uh, to stay home with the baby and uh, then go back to the classroom. Um, and then, you know, further evidence of our great timing, we put our house in Columbus on the market the uh, a month after the um, first time home buyers credit expired. Okay. <laughs> so it took us 11 months to sell, uh, sell oh, that house. Wow. So we went from uh, two incomes to one, um, two people in the family to three, <laughs> oh, gosh. and one mortgage to two. Oh wow! So it was a, uh, it was a little bit of a tough time, um, financially. And so since I couldn't teach, um, I thought, okay, let me see if I can find some, cre some freelance writing that I can be doing. Uh, I've always been a writer. Um, that that's what I majored in, in, um, undergraduate was, uh, I focused on creative writing. And, uh, so I was, I thought I could find a couple of gigs that could bring a little bit of money and help with this, you know, this kind of tight uh, financial time. One of the first uh, clients I landed was a financial website. Mm. 
And my dad was a financial planner. So I grew up in the industry. Uh, I had not described myself that way at the time, but I have always been a money nerd. Uh, just never occurred to me to think of myself that way. Uh, and so I saw that and um, was like, I could do that. And so um, I started working for that client. He loved my work. Um, apparently my first article for him went kind of mini viral, which, you know, in the financial realm, <laughs> that means tens of people saw it, <laughs> but still. <laughs> um, and so he passed my name along to his friends and invited me to a financial media conference he was putting together um, the following year. And so um, long story short, uh, the baby just turned 13. <laughs> earlier wow. this year. And uh, I have not gone back to the classroom because I've been able to uh, make a uh, full uh, career change into being a freelance writer um, in the financial realm. And um, in that time, I've also, I've written five books about money um, and, you know, really have enjoyed this kind of career pivot that I had no plans to make. <laughs> that is awesome. What a cool, what a cool story. Well, that leads me down a couple rabbit holes. Maybe you could share, um, you know, definitely give us some tips about the five years before retirement. I'd love to hear that. But also too, there may be someone listening that is in a job they don't like, mm -hmm. that has a vision of opening their own business. Maybe it's not writing about financial mm -hmm. um, stories. Maybe they're not a financial nerd, but they do have a dream and they have a vision. Maybe you could also hit on that, like, mm -hmm. you know, some tips on, making the leap and how to prepare for it, or maybe things you didn't do. Mm -hmm. Sounds like it just happened, right? That you would have done differently um, if you were making that plunge today. Maybe start with that, like the person that's thinking about jumping out and starting their own business and doing something on their own. So what I have learned in my years as a freelancer is that um, there are three aspects of success. Um, and only one of them is outside of your control. So uh, the one that's outside your control is time. Um, it takes time for whatever that lucky break is going to be to come along. I was lucky that mine came very early on mm -hmm. where I found that one client who liked my work, passed my name along. Um, for some people, it might take a little bit of, of like take more time than that, like two years or, you know, whatever it is. And so that's the only thing you don't have control over. Um, the second is talent. Um, and whatever it is that you want to do, um, whether it's writing or if you want to, you know, build a business around something else, you have a unique talent that nobody else has. Um, when I talk to people who are looking into becoming writers or things like that, they're like, well, wait a minute, not everybody's a talented writer. And that may be true in that not everyone has like the background with writing or whatever, but you have something unique that you bring to this. Mm -hmm. So part of the reason why I found myself in demand is because I came at it from a more writing perspective rather than a financial perspective. And so I, um, and I kind of straddled both worlds where I had the background because my dad was a financial planner and I had that kind of money nerdery, but I also knew what it was like to be on the outside and feel intimidated. Mm -hmm. And so I could kind of um, find the way to uh, reassure people and um, give them like, hey, I know why you're intimidated. I felt that way too. Here's the background information you need. 
Um, and so whatever it is, you are going to bring that talent to whatever business you're, you're creating. So, and that's something that you have control over, you know, you know what you're good at and like lean into that. You know, a lot of times we, when building a business, we're thinking of like, okay, what do I need to improve on? And yeah, absolutely. You can't let it, that go by the wayside, but you're the only person who can do what you can do. Mm -hmm. So I think it's uh, more important to make sure that those gaps are covered, you know, maybe by hiring other people or however you're going to do that, but really lean into whatever it is you're best at. Um, and then the third aspect of it, and is one that it has surprised me to see how often this can lead to someone's um, inability to, to make a uh, make a go of it with a um, career pivot is professionalism. Mm. Um, and that's because for whatever reason, people struggle with things like missing deadlines, they struggle with communication with clients, they struggle with any of any of those kinds of things. Um, and similar to talent, you're going to have the thing that is your struggle. So my struggle is deadlines. Um, you know, I've been a professional writer for 13 years and still to this day, I struggle with deadlines, wow. but I know that about myself and I am very open with my clients when I'm struggling with the deadline. Um, when I have been on the other side of it, where I have um, contracted people to write for me, um, there have been people who struggle with deadlines who just kind of ghost you mm. because they feel bad about it. And so because I know that I do that, I try very hard to be open with my clients, be like, Hey, I'm struggling with this. I intend to get it to you Wednesday instead of Monday. Is yeah. that okay? That sort of thing. Um, and so recognizing like where your unprofessionalism might be and finding ways to work around it. Um, and in addition to the communication side of it, I'm also consistently trying to find other ways to keep myself on track. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Um, and that so, so cool. I, I really do think if you go into it eyes open, recognizing you don't have control over the time, but you have full control over um, what you bring to uh, whatever business venture you're trying and the professionalism and recognizing where your uh, weak spots are going to be um, and being open and willing to own those weak spots um, and figure out ways to work around them. I, I really do think that you are going to succeed as long as you are able to take the time until you get whatever the big break is. That's really cool. Great, great advice. And I, and I will say to anyone that is worried about your professionalism, you showed up a whole 65 seconds early to this meeting today. So you're right up. You're getting better. You're getting there. You're getting good at deadlines. You're on it. Um, but I, I like your second point, though. Um, you talked about what I gleaned out of. You talked about your timing and then talents. But what you took from your experience was is you actually uh, were relatable is what I gathered because mm -hmm. you you didn't come on and write that you were the financial guru. You mm -hmm. wrote that you were right. You were just maybe a step or two ahead of where they are currently but you've been where they are, you related to them and people read what you were doing or followed what you did because they, they didn't say, this is a millionaire billionaire telling mm -hmm. me how, what I should do with my dollars and nickels. Right. Mm -hmm, you were, mm -hmm. you were someone that related to them and you took that and said, Hey, I'm just a couple steps ahead of you. You can be where I am here pretty soon. Mm -hmm. um, which I thought was awesome. Cause I know that we all struggle with that where we try to put on that. I'm the best. I'm the greatest. Listen to me because I'm, you know, 10 miles ahead of you, but people don't like that. And so it's mm -hmm. a testament to you that you 
you were who you were and people followed you because of that. So that's awesome. Thank you. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. Well, thanks for sharing that. So that was some great advice for people that want to step out on their own business side. Maybe could we dive into now about those people that are either uh, five years from retirement, like your book says, mm -hmm. or maybe someone that's in their early retirement, or maybe even a business that helps seniors, mm -hmm. maybe some mm -hmm. ideas that they could give to their clients just about money in general. And, mm -hmm. you know, these are people that don't have 30 to 40 years, right, to save. These are people mm -hmm. that are, need to start using some of that money. So we'd love to hear um, your advice on that. Yeah, I think um, with a lot of retirement literature out there, there's so much focus on the dollars and cents of it. Um, and it's understandable. I mean, not enough people are saving, people are not saving enough for retirement. Not enough people are even thinking about saving for retirement. Mm -hmm. um, and so it, it can feel a little overwhelming for those of us in the financial media industry to be like, oh goodness, we got to make, we got to convince them, we got to convince them. Um, and unfortunately that causes people to kind of shut down because uh, they start thinking like, well, there's no way I am going to have enough to retire on. So I may as well not try. Uh, and the thing is, anything you can do today, you'll be glad of tomorrow. Uh, right. And so whatever you can do, if all you can do is, you know, send $10 to your 401k with every paycheck, that is going to be better than not doing it. Mm -hmm. um, and that's that's one of the things that I think that um, my industry struggles with. The, the idea that like um, a little bit is better than nothing at all. Yeah. Um, the other aspect of it that I think we kind of ignore to our peril is the human side of it, that uh, we get so focused on the math because the math is easy. It's easy to wrap our heads around. It's easy to do. Everyone can, you know, add and subtract. Everyone, you know, even if you're not great at math, you can use calculators to, right. to see what an 8% return would be. Um, but the whole point of the money is to live. And so people kind of overlook what that's going to mean. And that can happen in one of two ways. Um, one way is people to feel overwhelmed and worried that they're going to outlive their money. Mm -hmm. And so they kind of become miserly and they, they make um, decisions based on like this idea of scarcity, like, oh goodness, I can't afford presents for my grandchildren because what if I run out of money in 20 right. years? Or I can't afford to visit my sister because what if I run out of money in 20 years? Um, so that's that's one side of it. And then the other side of it is the kind of uh, like, well, it's only money. I'm going to, you know, yeah, I'm going to go to Thailand. <laughs> you know? I'm going to spend this money because I want to enjoy it while I'm still relatively young. Mm -hmm. And I'll let my 90-year-old self worry about money then. Yeah. Um, and in both cases, you're ca causing yourself stress and pain that's unnecessary. Mm -hmm. And so for me, I think it's really important uh, for people to really think out what they want from their life. Um, now, it's more common to do this with retirement, but I think it's true at every stage in your life. But think through what do you want a typical day, week, month and year to look like mm -hmm. in retirement or in your life? Um, and so, and you can like dream big, like what's if, if money were no object, what would a typical day, week, month, and year look like? Um, and like really kind of 
make it like a movie in your mind. Like what would waking up look like? What would you have for breakfast? What would you do during the day? How would you spend your evening? You know, those sorts of things. And then that's one side of it. Then the other side of it is to think about, let's say something bad happens with your money. There's an economic downturn. You're not able to, to uh, um, recover from it. Think through what is the least you would need to feel um, content with your life for the average day, week, month, and year. Um, and so, so a typical day, week, month, and year for like a plan B retirement where things aren't great, money is tight, but what's the minimum you'd need to feel like, you know what, I'm having a good life mm -hmm. and kind of putting those together. The, the truth is retirement's going to be somewhere in between those two. Right. It's very unlikely you're going to have to go through that plan B. Um, and it's pretty unlikely for most of us that you're going to have the money as no object mm -hmm. <laughs> retirement. So somewhere in between is going to be what your life is actually going to look like. And by doing this, um, this ex exercise, you can figure out what is most important to you. And then you can make sure that you have the money to cover the things that are most important to you that are in that plan B and have, you know, figure out which of the money is no object is, is uh, going to add the most to your life. Right. Um, and then you can kind of um, funnel your money in a way that is going to work well for you so that you feel good, you feel content, you feel satisfied with your life while still having some set aside for when you're in your nineties, when, um, uh, you know, you're not quite as, uh, uh mobile as you are in your sixties. Mm -hmm. Um, and you will be in a position where you can still take care of yourself. That's awesome. Very well, very well said. That's great. Great. Tell us, I guess, with what you just shared, what is some of the obstacles and maybe the biggest challenges people run into, with that, you know, visualizing and thinking about it, plan A, plan B, I guess, where do those, where do those plans usually break down from what you've seen? Um, so generally I find that people um, kind of shut down because of their, the way that they view money. Um, so uh, there's this um, researcher named Dr. Bradley Klontz, uh, and he and his research partner, uh, Dr. Sonia Britt, um, coined the term money scripts. And these are um, unconscious and, and unspoken views of uh, what, how money works that we've generally built over a lifetime, but are, are usually rooted in childhood. And we all have them. And this is not, I mean, money is not the only thing that we have these scripts about. So mm -hmm. I, there's this great story that my mom, uh, who you met, uh, tells how when she was a little girl, she thought that doctors weren't allowed to get sick. And if they got sick, they'd go to jail. Um, and it's that kind of kid logic, you know? Gotcha. Oh my <laughs> um, gosh. And she was probably seven or eight years old when someone told her, no, that's not how it works, honey. <laughs> and because we talk about doctors, we talk about jail, we talk about illness, we talk about yep. these things. When it comes to money, we come up with this kind of kid logic, but because money is a taboo subject in our culture, we don't talk about it. And so those like kind of kid logic beliefs get baked in. Um, and then other experiences as we grow and as we start using money 
um, kind of adds to those baked in beliefs that we never really challenge. We never have someone say like, no, that, that, that doesn't make sense. Why are you thinking that? So, you know, some common money beliefs or money scripts that people carry are that like, uh, for instance, um, rich people are, are mean, <laughs> are mean and nasty. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, they, they have to be like, um, sharp operators to be able to get money. And so someone who carries that money script will kind of unconsciously try to avoid having money come into their lives because mm -hmm. they don't want to be a bad person right. and they equate money with being bad. Um, then there's um, on the opposite side, someone might think like, well, money equals happiness because I didn't have money growing up anytime, like, you know, when my parents got their um, uh, tax refund every year, oh my goodness, it was the best day of the year. Like we, we, we went out to dinner and like we bought new clothes. And so money equals happiness. And every time I've gotten a lot of money in my life, it has been like the happiest day. And so the thing is like money is morally neutral um, and if you decide that money equals happiness, you are going to make very different decisions than someone who thinks that having money makes you bad. Mm -hmm. Um, imagine those two people married to each other. Right. Wow. <laughs> wow. Um, I, I imagine it, I imagine it not lasting very long is what I imagine it. It could be really, really difficult. Yeah. Um, and these are the sorts of things you don't even know that you have these ideas in right. your head. They're just there. And so that tends to be where these stumbling blocks are when it comes to things like planning for retirement. Because again, imagine, you know, those two people planning for retirement, you know, the, the person who thinks that having money makes them bad will feel really conflicted about putting money aside for retirement and seeing it grow. Mm -hmm. uh, and the person who thinks that money equals happiness will have a really hard time knowing when to stop. Uh, and knowing, hey, it's okay to um, actually draw down your retirement accounts once you're in retirement, mm -hmm. or um, you know, you don't have to have a huge number to have a good retirement. Uh, so that I think is is a really common stumbling block, especially because we tend to think of money as this very rational thing. Mm -hmm. Um, and we don't recognize the emotions that are just tied up in it. And a lot of them are really, really deep emotions that um, make a, a big difference in the way that we feel about ourselves yeah. and our lives and all of that. Um, and so I think oftentimes um, people who um, go see financial planners, they really, I wish they would partner more often with therapists to kind of help people like kind of get to like, what is the root of this belief about money? And is that serving you? Is that actually helping you reach your goals? Or is that getting in the way of you enjoying your life, enjoying your money, enjoying your time? Right. Wow. Well, well said. That's awesome. I, I think it almost makes me think of, you know, you talk about people, you see people that'll um, get on a health kick and lose a bunch of weight. And then what do we all, we all say, well, I bet that weight's coming back. Right. And then you mm -hmm. see them later, the weight's back because, you know, they didn't dive in and uh, fix the cause mm -hmm. of the overeating. Right. They just fix the outward symptoms. Mm -hmm. and I think it sounds like what you're sharing is that our decisions are made by some internal cause. Even if you fix it in the short run, there's something under, uh, underneath there, your scripts, that's mm -hmm. causing you and you're going to regain that because uh, 
your habits are are much harder to break than your discipline normally. Yes, yes. And that's uh, why I think it's not helpful to just kind of grit your teeth through whatever kind of financial improvement you're trying to make. Um, and that's, you know, very common. We're, we're close to the new year and financial resolutions are pretty common for new year's resolutions. But if you just try to grit your teeth through like, all right, I'm going to pay off my student loans this year or grit your teeth through like, all right, I'm finally going to, you know, make sure that I'm contributing to my retirement, whatever it is, your goal yeah. is that's going to fall apart in the same way, like just gritting your teeth through, I'm going to go to the gym four times a week, right. it's going to fall apart. Um, and so there's two aspects to this on the, on the one side, I think it is important to kind of dive deep and find out what is it that, you know, I'm avoiding by not doing this. What is it that I am um, taking care of by doing this? So I, for instance, if you're someone who um, engages in retail therapy, because it you do get a boost from making a purchase, um, if you do that and you beat yourself up, like, oh my goodness, I'm just bad with money, you're not actually going to fix the problem. Whereas if you think about like, I'm feeling low and buying something makes me feel good. What's something else that could make me feel good? You know what? I'm going to call my sister because she and I can giggle over stuff and we'll have fun and I'll feel better. And I don't have to spend any money to do that. Um, so I think that's one side of it. The other side of it is I think there is a great deal of benefit in putting like guardrails around yourself so that you can't reflexively engage in those bad habits um, because we're not going to be able to do like a, a deep therapeutic dive Every time we, you know, navigate to Amazon and go, Ooh, that looks mm, nice. Or, right. you know, see the the newest product on TikTok and like, Ooh, right. I want one. So if you find also find ways to be, to force yourself to take a moment when it comes to bad habits, um, in addition to trying to think through why you have them, you're going to be a lot more successful than trying one or the other. Makes sense. That makes sense. And I guess if, if you are so addicted to retail therapy, you can't stop yourself. If you're going to buy something, they should at least buy a copy of one of your books. <laughs> if yes. they have to, right? Okay. I thought we could yes, get, get that in there. Um, anything that you would, uh, could possibly recommend maybe from the book, let's say that there's that person that is in that five-year window to retirement. Is there some basic things that they should do? Uh, maybe you can share from the book. Mm -hmm. um, so I think one of the first things to do is, uh, and this is a tough one, is look at where you are financially. Um, it's within that five-year window is when it starts to feel real. Like, oh, I really am going to retire. And so for some people that's enough, like, okay, well, how much do I have? How much do I need? But for some people that causes kind of like head in the sand syndrome where you're like, oh God, I don't even, don't want to think about it. In the same way, many of us are going to avoid the scale on January 2nd. <laughs> like, I don't want to know. Um, but it's never as bad as you think it's going to be. Yeah. And it's far better to know than not know. Yeah. So like the first thing is really take stock of what you have, you know, and, and sometimes it'll take a little bit of time. That's another reason why people avoid it. If you've had multiple jobs and, you know, so multiple 401ks or, or other retirement accounts, trying to figure out where they all are and, you know, figure out what your password was. If you have to contact HR from that old, um, old job, um, those sorts of things can take a little time. So, you know, 
make sure that you set aside time to do that and really be intentional about like, okay, I want to figure out how much I have. I want to figure out what that's going to mean, um, you know, and those sorts of things. That's one aspect of it. Another, I think that's really important is to look into what your social security is going to be and start thinking now about, um, how you can optimize the social security that you're going to receive. Um, so the there's social security has something called my social security, um, on SSA.gov where you can sign up and it tells you exactly how much uh, you can expect depending on when you retire. So if you take it at the earliest age of 62, if you wait until your full retirement age, or if you wait until 70, um, and it gives you further information about if you're married, what your spouse might be able to expect from um, uh, uh, spousal uh, benefits, um, what widow or widower benefits might be, um, and kind of really looking at what that's going to be but not necessarily counting on it. Um, So it can be really easy to be like, oh, I get this much at 62. You know what? I'll just retire then and I'll live off social security. It'll be great. Um, Well, the, your benefit is permanently reduced. Um, So uh, you get a full benefit as of your full retirement age, uh, which is uh, between 66 and 67, depending on when you were born. And um, it continues to grow about 8% per year until age 70. And so, um, you don't just want to think about for yourself. You also want to think about, uh, what that benefit will mean to your spouse if you predecease them or vice Mm -hmm. versa, because, uh, the amount that, uh, your, um, a surviving spouse receives is based on how much the, um, the, uh, deceased spouse was getting. So if they take their, uh, their benefit at 62, the surviving spouse's amount is going to be based on that permanently reduced amount. Whereas if you wait until 70, it's going to be a lot bigger. And considering the fact that it is guaranteed for life. So if you live to be 125, you will still be getting checks from social security, although not actually checks anymore. Um, It is, it is much better to, um, if you can, uh, ensure the largest possible social security check you can get, um, because, there are no guarantees about anything else. Mm -hmm. And I know there are people who feel very uh, uncomfortable with social security because it's a lot in the news. Um, And what I like to tell people is it's as close to a guarantee as we can get. Mm -hmm. And if we cannot count on social security, we've got bigger problems than money. That means the meteor is coming. That means um, the zombies have risen from their graves and and are are, are feasting on human flesh. (laughs) It means something truly bad has happened. Um, And so uh, money will be the least of our problems. Maybe Russia and China have merged into one country and they're standing. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that might be more possible than the zombies. (laughs) Right, exactly. I want to be a little realistic at least. Yeah, it will be a a major global concern yeah. that that um that would lead to that, not just a matter of politics as usual, which is is right. as infuriating as it can be, but it's not going to be a situation where like oh with the stroke of a pen you're not going to get your social security benefits mm-hmm. anymore, uh, which is the kind of thing that people can, are concerned about. It's not right. like that. It is more like if China and Russia were to merge and you know declare war on the rest of the world um or if you know 
there was some sort of huge natural disaster that took out the world. Um, yeah. If COVID did not kill social security, I have trouble believing anything I see in my lifetime <laughs> could possibly do it. Exactly right. No, that's well said. That's awesome. And I think that's interesting that you said that. And that's where um, kind of our paths could cross because we have a full service mortgage company, but we focus on senior lending. Mm -hmm. And we found that I think similar to what you mentioned earlier, kind of the emotional side of things is that, you know, a lot of some people have a lot of equity in their homes, or they have their homes paid off. And that's kind of become their one badge of honor. Because maybe they didn't save very much, maybe they're living off social security, maybe they save some, but they've got more equity than they have cash. Mm-hmm. And their badge of honor is the home's paid off. And it's almost like a, a scarlet letter if they borrow against the house, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's where we kick in and try to break down those stigmas. So we have options. I call them retirement mortgage solutions, where we show people that there are um, ethical, uh, efficient uh, ways that you can actually use your home equity to turn it from uh, this fictitious number on a website that really all equity does in an expensive house, if you don't use it, causes you to pay more property taxes mm-hmm. and causes mm-hmm. you to need to call your insurance guy and say, hey, I need to raise my insurance because my home's worth more. And then they send you a bill where your insurance is higher than it was mm-hmm. before, right? Mm-hmm. So it doesn't really do you any good if your home's gone up in value unless you learn how to use it. So that's where we come in. Um, we have options that are actually federally insured loans that mm-hmm. are backed by the government. It's actually backed by FHA, the same FHA that a lot of us did as first-time homebuyers. They have mm-hmm. a senior side. So mm-hmm. we have options that allow clients to use some of their equity. Usually it's only 25, 30, 40% it's a low percentage of it, where there still be equity whenever they pass away, they can still give the house to the kids. The kids will still mm-hmm. get some money, but mm-hmm. we usually talk to them about, Hey, you could use your equity. We call it the four L's. It could be used for longevity, lifestyle, liquidity, and legacy. So longevity really is besides their longevity is their money. I think you mentioned earlier, a big thing is people are worried about outliving their money. You know, it's mm-hmm. right there with public speaking, right? They're scared <laughs> of public speaking. We're more scared of running out of money or public speaking. It's right there close together. Mm-hmm. Um, but the interesting thing is, is if you use some of your equity, it allows your your other funds to last longer. So we talk about that and we talk to people. The other L is lifestyle. You know, what if if you had an extra, you know, 50, $100,000, what would your lifestyle be like in retirement? Mm-hmm. Um, and then we talk about liquidity. A lot of clients we work with, they work on these, they set these loans up because they never got around to saving, but they also get around to long-term care insurance, mm-hmm. whether, yeah. you know, everyone's got different opinions. Maybe it wouldn't have paid out anyway, but a lot of clients, you know, they need care. Mm-hmm. They just never did anything about it, but they got lucky because they paid their mortgage every month and their house went up in value. So they really kind of funded a policy. Mm-hmm. They just don't know it. And then the last yeah. thing we talked to them about is legacy. We have a lot of clients that their goal is, Emily, they say, um, you know, I, I don't know. I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to donate my, my donate my home to a cause. I don't have the kids. I don't have this, a cause. And then that way I'll be able to give to the church, give different places. And I, that's a val- valid, valid, valid way to do it. Mm-hmm. My only counter to that is, is that I don't know about you, Emily, but any plan that has to do with me dying is not my favorite plan. Yeah. Um, yeah. So then we can show people how they could get some of their equity while they're still alive. 
and give it to the cause and be involved with the cause and see the cause flourish while they're involved in the mm -hmm. cause just mm -hmm. because we can show up. So, and then the other part, our neat thing about our program is it doesn't require uh, payments. So they're like lines of credit tied into reverse mortgage together, mm -hmm. um, but they don't have to worry. No, none of the crazy stuff, losing my house and all that stuff you've ever heard about. The federal government cleaned all that up. So just mm -hmm. some unique things. So I kind of call it, I think what we're talking about kind of ties together because it's for a lot of people that are trying to catch up on mm -hmm. retirement, right? Yeah. And fortunately, the one good thing that's happened is your a lot of people's homes around the country have helped them catch up. They just don't know it and they don't know how yeah. to use it. So that's where we yeah. come in. So maybe it'd be something we could chat more later about the game plan. But mm -hmm. um, the interesting thing about what we do is it's not really a financial conversation, similar to what you shared earlier. It's more of an emotional conversation. You know, what would it be like if you had the money to pay for retirement, had the money to do this, the money to take out? That would be great. Well, we can show you how you'd borrow against the home. Oh, I don't know about borrowing from. It's like <laughs> emotional, right? Yeah, um, yeah. Um, so it's one of the, just like you said earlier, you got to start with the root cause of the problem. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. My my dad um, talked about how when he was uh, early in his career as a financial advisor, he um, got a chance to meet with this uh, this guy who was a like big name, big hotshot in, in financial planning. Um, and who like, um, had so many clients and was like, um, uh, responsible for so much money. And, uh, he was like, so how do you do it? And the, apparently he had five conference rooms and wow. he would just go boom, 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 boom down the, um, and 15 minutes per client. And my dad, who had been like really impressed with this guy was like, oh well, oh, well, that's just not it. Because 15 minutes in, he was just putting away his client's grandchildren's pictures, you know, after having looked at them and checked on, uh, yeah. on what they're doing in their lives. Yeah. Um, and for my dad, he, he was saying, what he does is about the relationships That's awesome. and it's about living. It's not about maximizing. Right. Um, and that, that sounds like what you're talking about. It's like, you, you want the relationships you want, uh, like the money is a tool to be able to do all of these things. It's not the end in itself. Yeah. And that's the kind of ethos I bring to what I write about. Oh, uh, that's awesome. So cool. Yeah, it's so cool because unfortunately, you know, we have a uh, expiration date. We don't know when it is, yeah. um, but, but we all know it's coming at some point, right? And we only mm -hmm. got one shot at it. And the, the neat thing about what you're doing is you're teaching people how they can get the most out of their time before that expiration mm -hmm. date and not mm -hmm. to worry about it and not to have concerns and try to get the emotion out of it and just go out there and have the uh, the best retirement they can. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's awesome. Well, um, I guess maybe share with us besides, uh, well, two, two things. One is where would people find your book? And then besides your book, any other resources you recommend people to check out to learn more about saving and finances, et cetera? Mm -hmm. So uh, you can find my books pretty much anywhere. Um, they're sold, Amazon, bookshop.org, your local Barnes and Noble um, or local um, independent bookseller. Um, uh there, you can also find me on my website, emilyguyberkin.com. Okay. Um, and so uh, there's links to all of my books there as well. Um, as for other resources, 
uh, there is quite a bit out there for like anything that you're looking to, to find. Um, I really like, you mentioned like FHA and, um, I, I talked about social security, uh, the federal government has quite a bit out there, um, that, you know, you can trust, um, information about, uh, everything from budgeting to saving to, uh, like lending and, and anything, um, like the CFPB, um, mm -hmm. the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, um, the uh, the the Fed, um, and usually it's like the St. Louis Fed or the New York Fed will okay. have things um, for kids all the way through retirees um, resources. And so I really love those resources because they are, um, you know, the sort of thing that, you know, that the information is good, you know, that someone's not trying to sell you something, mm -hmm. and it'll help you kind of uh, get clear on what it is that you need to know. Um, if you're not sure how to find it, uh, do a search for whatever it is you're looking for, and then add .gov. And that usually will help you find nice. um, that, those kinds of resources. Um, it's the kind of Google foo you learn over the years. That's awesome. Now we talked about not saying anything controversial on here, but you just said that we know you can, we know we can trust the government. So I don't know, depending on who's <laughs> listening right now. Yes. Yeah. Um, meaning that uh, no one's trying to sell you something. Okay. Put it that way. Thank you for it's, the clarification. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So uh, uh, obviously, I'm not uh, not saying that everything is uh, is trustworthy, but it's um it's not like getting information from Bank of America yeah. or Wells Fargo, where you can have some doubts in your mind, like, right. is someone going to benefit from this in a way that is like bad for the average consumer? Yeah. Um, whereas it's going to be information that was intended to be written as impartial and without, uh, without any sales whatsoever. Yeah. Completely makes sense. I was just giving you a hard time. I'm <laughs> I was just thinking Fair what enough. somebody what somebody out there was thinking. What did she say about the government? <laughs> <laughs> that's that's awesome. Well, thanks for that. And then tell me about um, you mentioned your book. Any um, where would people connect with you? Follow you? Reach out? Uh, so I am uh, on um, Twitter. X, I guess it's now called at Emily Guy Birkin. Um, I'm also on Blue Sky and Threads um, and Instagram, all of those under at Emily Guy Birkin. Um, if you are interested in my non-financial work, uh, my sister and I have a pop culture podcast uh, nice. called Deep Thoughts About Stupid Shit. There you go. That's awesome. So um, if you're more interested in the, like the, the zombie apocalypse type stuff. <laughs> Gotcha. That's where you can find it. Uh, but with that, my sister and I, each week, we look at um, some aspect of uh, pop culture, usually from our childhoods. So like okay. Ghostbusters, Labyrinth, um, the Muppets, that sort of thing. And just kind of like take a deeper look at it at um, the what were we learning from those, uh, those stories that we hadn't thought about? That's hilarious. Are you, I think I propose you do a hypothetical episode about the impending China Russia merger. That would be <laughs> a hypothetical episode. <laughs> maybe, maybe. <laughs> well, that's uh, well. I wanted to first of all thank you so much for your time. Um, you're a wealth of knowledge. I see why people read your articles and read your books because you shared some amazing ideas with us and we'd love to have you back sometime. So I really do appreciate your time. I'd love to be back. Thank you. Yes, ma'am. And then thank you so much for watching and listening to Serving Senior Podcast. This is the podcast we help individuals, businesses, and consumers teach seniors how to not just survive, but thrive in retirement. Thanks again. 
Hey, this is Matt Helton with One Trust Home Loans, home of Retirement Mortgage Solutions. And we really do appreciate you checking out the Serving Seniors podcast today. Now, please go to the description down in the body uh, of the podcast where you can subscribe to get future shows. Please click that notification button so you get notified when other shows drop. And also, if you can go to servingseniorspodcast.com, and we'd love to hear a comment about our show. We have a heart to serve seniors, and we have a heart to make sure seniors don't just survive retirement, don't just get by in retirement. We want to show seniors how to thrive in retirement. So if you know of anyone that's 55 and older that could use some extra cash flow, maybe the retirement's not going the way that they like, our retirement mortgage solutions are designed for folks, depending on the state, they're either 55 or 62 and older, to make sure that they have that kind of retirement that they want as long as they own a home and they're in a good equity position, there could be some solutions that they may not have thought about or maybe they thought of and they just didn't know how they work. That's what we do. So anyone in that age group that could use some mortgage advice, my team and I would love to be able to help them. Thanks again and look forward to seeing you on the next show. Have a great day.